Heavenly Father, we just thank you for meeting us here this morning. Being present with us through your spirit, we thank you. And Lord, as we now open your word, we ask that you'd speak to us, move us, and grow us, Lord. Might we hear your voice now speaking to us, in your son's name, amen. So, Craig allowed me to choose on the big calendar of when to preach. And this one, this, this weekend fell perfectly, because it's the end of what is the Wintech school holidays. So, I didn't have too much on board, I've been on um, two, a two week break. But the trouble was, Craig didn't give me a topic to speak on. And so I was left to ponder and think, and um, I actually thought, this is great. I now have an opportunity to get on a hobby horse, <laughs> to preach on grace. No, actually, I've been thinking of this sermon for a long time. I'll probably say five to six years. Um, when I was in America, I went to Bible college, and I studied at Moody. And there's some strange incidences that happened, or circumstances. These were weird experiences. See, the school we went to was fully focused on sending people out to be Christian missionaries, to know and understand the Word of God, and to be Christians, to help us grow in our faith and knowledge. Yet we would have these strange people come to our school, one of them came in a white van that would drive around the school and you'd have a sound system on top, speakers. Um, or we had one time a group of men come and they stood with megaphones and sound systems and they proclaimed the gospel to us. And I went and I spoke to them a couple of times and I went, yo, we're a Bible college, we're, we're Christians, you know. Why are you coming here? Why are you doing it this way? And they said, well, we're just afraid. We're afraid that people won't hear the gospel. We're afraid that they won't meet Christ while they're at Bible college. And I sat on that and I went, yep, I understand what they're doing. But why are they so afraid? What is this fear inside them? Because I sat through the classes and I tell you, there wasn't a day I went without hearing the gospel talked about whilst at Bible college. Yet these people were so afraid that if they didn't do something, people wouldn't hear the gospel. And this made me think and, and really ponder you know, where is our responsibility in all things? And where does God come in? What is our relationship to God's grace? Because when we live in God's grace, we shouldn't be afraid that we would never do enough or that someone might not hear the gospel. When we actually live in God's faith and we allow it to work within us, um, 
Well, we can be confident that God is still working and his power is still working. And we needn't have fear. So I want to preach to you guys about grace and what it is so that you might not fall into the same trap where you feel you have to go to extreme extents to make sure that God's gospel is preached. Because when you're living in grace and understand God's grace, it happens naturally and there is a freedom in it. So, let us talk about grace. Now, grace in our society has been sort of changed and hijacked. When we think of grace, quite often we think of someone being gracious and we think of a Disney princess. Someone beautiful, has the animals floating around them. Or we think of a dancer and how graceful she is on the um, dance floor. A beller a ballerina, her pointed toes, her movements as being lovely and sweet and soft. But this isn't the gracefulness that the Bible talks of. No, the gracefulness and the graciousness of God is quite different. And through my studies, I've loved the Baker, Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible's um, definition. This is just a small part of it. Grace is a dimension of divine activity that enables God to confront human indifferences and rebellion in an, with an inexhaustible capacity to forgive and bless. God is gracious in action. That definition moves grace from being an adjective to just describe something to being a verb, a movement. God is gracious to us. And as I had Luke read in Ephesians chapter 2, we see how God is gracious to us. When we were dead... So Ephesians chapter 2, when we were dead in our transgressions, when we were enemies of God, when we were lowly and, and disobedient, God stepped in. God moved in when there was no saving us. When we could not do the hard work when we could not do the mahi to receive our own salvation, God moved. And he moved in a gracious way by sending his son to us for our salvation. You see, it is by God's grace that we are saved by the death of Christ. The ultimate act of sacrifice, giving your life for an enemy, one that is disobedient to you, giving your life for them. And in this action, Christ robs us of 
any ability to lay claim to us working for our salvation. Right? We are robbed of that. There is nobody that is a true Christian that can say, I did this, so now I am saved. No, it's what God did for you. And we are just there to accept this gift willingly. So as we sit in that knowledge that it's actually God that has done the work, this should relieve us of fear and anxiety. First off, from fear and anxiety that we aren't good enough, that we have to strive for our salvation within ourselves. And the fear that if I don't do enough, the world won't be saved. And I've heard, I've heard preachers, I've heard pastors, I've heard people on their deathbed going, only if I could have done more, only if I could have done more. No. I want to encourage you that you have done enough. You might be going, well, Eli, what are you saying here? Should we not preach the gospel? Should we not be active in, um, in our church service? Should we not be active in ministry? No, I'm not saying that. Yes, we are still to share the gospel, and I'm going to talk about how when we interact with grace, the gospel is shared. But what I'm trying to say to you, and please hear me, don't be bound by the fear. Because God doesn't want you to live in fear and anxiety. Because when we work in a place of fear and anxiety, that is when we become burnt out and no good for God. You know, I, um, in, in one of my missions classes, we talked about this guy. I can't remember his name, and the story's just come to me now. But we heard about this guy in America and he was what was called a circuit rider preacher. And he would jump on his horse, and he would ride from town to town to town to preach the gospel. But he never rested. He felt this continuous burden to go and preach consistently. However, the problem within this was that he burnt himself out. And at a young age, only two or three years into his ministry, he passed away. And because he was so overwhelmed by the fear of it, a fear of not doing enough and the consistent burden to keep going, he never stopped and rested. And I don't know how many of you have studied missions, but this is a pretty common theme within a lot of missionaries. This idea that if we just put more muscle into it, the more we'll get out of it. And I don't know, I've seen so many people burn out. I have fallen into that trap of burnout as well. I have worked in a camp and, and worked till I pretty much um, <laughs> couldn't walk almost. I became so sick and lost so much weight I was really quite unwell. 
and I couldn't continue to do the work because I felt this overwhelming burden and pressure to keep going. And so learning what it is to sit in God's grace and say that he is enough has been quite hard. Now Paul understood this. He understood this greatly. And he was a man that worked hard. So in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 9-10, um, Paul says, For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace and his grace to me was not without effect. Now I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God. So Paul understood the need to work hard, but he also realized it wasn't his hard work that did it. It was the grace of God. And in, in continuing talking to the church in Corinth, he later says in the second letter to the church of Corinth, so Corinthians chapter 2, verses 7 to 10, to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassing great revelations, he was given me a fawn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said for, to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weakness, in pursuits of hardship, and persecutions, and difficulties. For when I am weak, he, then I am strong." And there's a lot in that, but what I want you to recognize is that Paul understood that in all his effort and everything he did, it would not be complete without God's grace, without God's power. And so in his weaknesses, in his struggle, he relied on God to give him that power. And when we talk about it, and as Al explained, Christ is, uh, grace is what Christ gives us when we don't deserve it. He gives us the power to do great things when we don't deserve it. And when I, when I sit here and I think on these things, and it even came up in preparing for this for the sermon. This week, I had a busy week. On Tuesday, I went to go do a little job for someone. I thought, oh yeah, it'll take me two hours. Left at eight, hoping to be home at ten to go work on my sermon and to do all these things. But no, I got home at 6pm that night. <laughs> And then I had to go help the kids and deal with home life. Wednesday, other things came up. 
and the stresses and the pressures started to build on me. Now, in that moment, I could have fed the fear and become more panicked and worried about what I was going to do for the sermon, or I could say, God, you know what's happening in my life right now. I'm not just blowing off this work to watch TV. I'm not just going off to do other things instead. No, important situations are happening in my life, and I need you just to help me when I am available to write this sermon. So on Thursday and Friday and Saturday, when I had the opportunity, I did it. At the beginning of the week, I planned to spend at least two to three hours a day doing that. That didn't happen. But I did get three days to work on my sermon, and so I'm able to preach it now. But my point is here, guys. God gives us opportunity. He provides us the power. He provides us the ability to do it. And for me, writing a sermon isn't an easy thing. I'm a dyslexic. So that means I can't read very good, and my writing's atrocious. But God's called me to preach. And so in that work of doing the sermon, of being faithful in it, um, I rely on him. And in my weakness, Christ works through me. And his power um, empowers me. Yeah, that's the best word to say. But for most of us, we're not Paul. We're not all preaching sermons. We interact with God's grace on a daily basis. We interact with God's grace in the workplace and in the home. And that can be quite daunting. Um, If you're a boss or a manager, or you have responsibility in the workplace, things can get stressful at times. I'm sure of it. I've seen the stresses in my, um, my own family's life when it comes to the workplace. And it is very easy in the workplace for us to become gripped with fear and stress. I was building a, a community centre with, with a group of guys, and there was one person in particular. Um, whenever anything would go wrong, he'd become stressed and worried and over-anxious. And so he was quite hard to work with. And it was sad. Because people would see how he was in those moments um, and it would make everybody else stressed out. And that was a real hard situation to be in as a group of Christians. And I know what that's like. I feel that when I'm working with my children. When I'm trying to study or write something, and my kid comes to me, and I'm just trying to focus, and I'm just like, go away. It becomes overly burdened, and um, I've become stressed out. And I can react to my children in the wrong way. And it's something I have to be careful of. 
However, that's not how I should be. I should be living in God's grace. And so to give you a story that actually defines that, the reaction we should have was, I remember when I was working with my dad and we were finishing off one of his first projects for Kingston Group, as he's a project manager for them, and he'd got me to come and help him. And in finishing off the house, there's just a long list of things you have to tick off. And that can just become overly stressful and overwhelming. However, my father in these moments seems to have a balance to see through these things. And it was one key interaction he had with me where he came down and he talked to me. He started listing off the things we have to do. And then he said, I have to go now. And so he gave me this long list and he said, all right, I'm off. But he did one little thing that just spoke volumes to the people around us. You see, in that moment, he said, thank you. I appreciate you. Which isn't much of a gesture to most people, I don't think. Well, for me, it wasn't. It was just, oh, yes, that's my dad. He appreciates me. I get that. It wasn't until the telecom man who was connecting the internet turned to me and said, who was that? Was that your boss? I said, oh, yeah, he's my father. And he goes, I've never seen a father talk to their son like that. I've never had seen a father actually thank their son and tell them that they're appreciated. And in that moment, that one space of grace when everything seemed chaotic and stressful and we were trying to get through all this stuff, he just stopped and thanked me and showed me a little bit of grace and loved me. Um, in that moment, this guy recognized grace in action. And this is what God's calling us to do to live in grace and be grace in action to those around us. And so when we come to people preaching a gospel in fear and concern and worry, quite often I believe it can be heard on the backs of judgment and harshness. I know that there are people at Moody that were very finely walking the lines of what would be Christian and non-Christian. I would make that judgment. And I know that there's people that have walked away from the faith that went to Moody with me, and that's real sad. But the irony of it all was these people in their fear and worry, although they were trying to do something good and helpful, just pass judgment and harshness out. Now, when we come and we bring the gospel of God and of Jesus, we need to bring it in grace and in love. And that's noted in the way we act. Is our gospel a gospel of grace? Are we, pre are we presenting it in love? Is it free from fear? Because perfect love casts out all fear. And I really believe the enemy of fear 
especially for a Christian, is grace. Because when we know we have a God of power and might that is gracious, that shows favour unto us, we shouldn't have fear. We shouldn't be afraid. We shouldn't be distraught. When we see things happening on the news, when we have those hard times at work, when we are overwhelmed and we are stressed, we should be able to look to God and say, well, I have his undeserving favour in my life. And no matter what happens, no matter what I do, he has chosen me. Not because I'm enough, because I'll never be enough. And if it was granted on how good I was, it would never happen. But he has chosen me, and I am enough. I am what I am, and God has saved me. A disobedient sinner. So, as we go out this week, please think, how am I acting? Am I acting in a way that is representative of my father? Not my dad, but my heavenly father. <laughs> please don't all be Rosses. It would be too much. <laughs> Please, be, be, be like Jesus. Be full of grace and loving. That doesn't mean be a ballerina or a Disney princess. That is gracious. No, it means be someone that is willing to show undue favour to those around us. Loving kindness. The simple things. The thank you, I appreciate yous. If you just do that, that will move mountains. Please don't go put a megaphone on the top of your car. <laughs> Please. <laughs> hey, let's pray. Um, and we'll continue in the service. Heavenly Father, I just, um, I thank you for today. And I thank you that you are a God of grace Set apart from all others. You are loving first. And you show a favour that is unreal to us. To think we lonely sinners who are so disobedient. <laughs> that you would still choose to save us and love us. Wow, Jesus. Wow, God. We ask now that you would just bless us in this week. Show us that favour. Give us the ease of your grace and not feed our fears and anxieties, Lord. We ask this all in your mighty and precious name. Amen.